At the beginning of each podcast episode, hosts will typically read an ad for another company, but we're going to take this opportunity to promote and plug what we're building. We are building an AI-powered app that's going to be your personal mindset coach. Think about it as if you had a therapist in your pocket, one that will help you get to know who you really are, process your emotions, and make sense of your thoughts. The app launch waitlist is back live, and it's on our website. For convenience, we also left the link in the show notes. It's very simple. All you got to do is put your name and email address, and you're signed up for the waitlist. So you'll be the first to know when we launch, and also you'll be the first to be able to actually test it. For now, here's a clip from this week's episode. So I walked up, and I, like, I whispered, I was like, hey, is he in the office yet? Like, do you know? And then, you know, the woman was like, okay, well, how can I help you? And but, but really rude, a little rude about it. And I was like, okay, maybe she ain't hear me because I thought, I thought she heard me. So I was like, yeah, is he in the office yet? Like, do you know? Like, just as friendly, I said, how can I help you? And I was like, I said, is he in the office yet? <laughs> she was like, well, I'm his executive assistant. So, and I was like, oh, okay, that's all you have to say. And I appreciate this with you. Like, I just need to get signed. Yeah. When I tell you, she went two people above my head. And then my boss called me into her office. All right. So I always start with the same question. Okay. When you hear the word authenticity, what does it mean mm. to you? To me, authenticity means being able to be uncensored, but not disrespectful. Doesn't mean disrespectful. Just be uncensored. Like, not have to think twice about speaking your truth or not have to think twice about letting your real energy show or like having your little quirks, you know, the way Cardi be like, <laughs> you know, that's authenticity. That's her little quirk. That's a little thing that she does. So authenticity is about like being able to show up as you are, as you really feel and not have to put on a front. How, how do you think you would describe when you're authentic? Like, how would you describe yourself? How would I describe my authentic self? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I would say quirky, a little weird. You said that a few times, quirky. Yeah. yeah, I have weird quirks. I say weird because, I mean, I, I think about all the weird shit I do with my friends in public and how we're like, this is why we can only hang out with each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is why we can't go anywhere. Like, um, what would you be doing? Okay, so like yesterday, my friend was like, this is so weird. <laughs> yesterday, my friend was like, oh, two things. And I was like, two things. And then we were just there like, Bumping our fingers together, like, and like, like, I don't know, I don't know what that is, but we're just so weird, you know, little weird parties, okay. things like that. Okay. So how would I? Yeah, I would just describe myself. I think as like, you know, I think really honest. I think I'm very bluntly honest. I do my best to deliver honesty with kindness. You know, I'm I'm a human being. It doesn't always come across that way. I already see where that's going. Yeah. You know, yeah. but but I really am very very honest. That's that New Yorker in you too, a little and, bit. And I'm just actually like a bad liar. That's the that's not New Yorker because oh I feel God. like New York people they could they could lie if they have to. Me, <laughs> I would be like they'll be like, why is your stomach growling? Like what's going on? I'm like. You know, my IBS, I'm lying. That's it. I'm cool. I'm going to jail. So, yeah, I would say I'm honest, you know, fun, friendly. I think very friendly, which is, you know, depends on your situation, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I feel like in sure. the corporate space, you can't be too friendly. That's part of, like, corporate culture to huh. just be a little bit more docile and professional. So do you, do you but, think you were allowed to be all those versions of yourself growing up? Like, quirky, weird... Yeah, growing up, I was allowed to be all of that. I think I was 
just around like people that accepted and were also very authentic. Of course, you know, you have your times like when you're a child where everyone's kind of a little bit fake, right? No one knows who they are yet. You know, someone starts acting like somebody else for a second and starts <laughs> saying what that person's saying and everyone's kind of acting like each other. Yeah. But like, fast forward through all of that weird adolescent stage. Fast forward? Um, no, 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 let's pause there. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's pause there. Because I, I think early on, like even family, they have mm -hmm. so many expectations on like the person that you should be, the woman mm -hmm. that you should be, right? So what, you don't, you don't think there were like certain um, things that... Yeah, growing up, I don't think I was allowed to be sensitive. I'm a very sensitive person. And people don't think that. People would never know that. I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean sensitive? Like, I'm just really sensitive. Like, like you just be crying on random. Like, yes. You know, okay. I cry easily. If people hurt my feelings, like, I'm going to cry about it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be like, ah, it's all good. No, I'm going to be, I'm soft. I'm going to go cry about it. I wish I, I wish I cried more. You know, I cried nah, a seriously. lot. <laughs> No, for real, like... <laughs> I feel like more, like, men do need to cry more. this is why more. men can't be sensitive. You saw that laugh? No, I'm... Just I, laugh, I'm laugh laughing at me. because it's true that men don't cry enough. We just need an guys, outlet. You need an outlet. Let that out. You want to have a good cry? Come on, go for it. <laughs> I don't think I know how to cry. Shut up, people. All right, right, all right, this is really random, but I feel like the only time I've cried recently mm -hmm. is, like, thinking about my grandma not being there. Oh, Yeah. But, like, I have friends that they tell me they cry all the time. And I'm just like... Male friends? Yeah. What are they crying about? Life. Stress. Wow. Work. Oh, wow. Ambition. I think that's I don't beautiful. Know. We need more For of real, that. For real, yeah. We need more of that. I, I literally, I, I really don't think I know how to, but... Wait, but what do you... But, so you were being sort of like emotional or sensitive and like how is it received? My mom would be like, you know, my, my brother would always tease me and my mom would be like, stop teasing her. You know she's sensitive. And then I would cry. Would you get like, like, shut up, man little, up, little, man up. little bitch? Yeah, he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. They told that to me. I was the one being like, shut up, little bitch. Stop being a crybaby. You know, so I feel like I had to learn how to have like a tougher skin. You know, I'm actually a little bit grateful to my brother for giving me that. But yeah, growing up, I would say I wasn't really allowed to be sensitive, even though I was. But I was allowed to be like my other things, you know, like I was a little nerdy. No one really judged me for like being the bitch inside her house reading books all day. Like, you know, that was all cool. But in the sensitive realm, you know, that does not, that doesn't, that doesn't help you survive well in the Bronx. So I had to learn how to work around that. And what did you, what were you reading as a kid? Oh my God, I was reading everything. Every, every book under the sun, a bunch of little novels. Like fiction, nonfiction? All fiction. I love fiction. A lot of people that read nonfiction, I admire them. You know, I got all the nonfiction from school, but on my free time, all I read was fiction about anything and everything, like alien books. Like, I love sci-fi. I love mysteries. I love, you know, drama. But mostly sci-fi. If it's like fantasy, that's my And is, is, does the same thing translate on, like, the shows you like to watch, too? Like, is it all fiction-based? Yeah, yeah, love, I love fiction shows. Yeah, I'm the complete opposite. I'm that dense reader. You're that reading, dense like, reader? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm not a reader, period. Okay. I, I, think, I feel like I've tried to be for so long, but mm -hmm. I just, reading comprehension, terrible. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can you not make the picture? Some people can't make the picture of what's happening in their head. Oh, I don't even a try. Book, a fiction book. Maybe I should do, should I try to do that? Are you not, like, getting a, a vision in your head as you read? I don't know. I got to try next time and just be like... Stop! Yeah, I don't think so. No, I'm like just reading the words. And what do you see? The word, the words. You, but you don't see like, you don't see, you don't see a movie in your head? No. I mean, I have... <gasps> that's that's got to be why you don't like fiction. I have an imagination outside of reading the book. Mm. Like if I'm journaling maybe or if I'm talking, mm. I could do... But like no, that never happened when I'm reading. Wow. 
But that happens to you when you read. So it's kind of like an escape. It's a, it's a visual escape for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Interesting. It's amazing. You know, not everyone can do that. It's yeah. kind of like how some people don't have an inner voice. I didn't learn that until recently. What do you mean? Like, you know, when you read a book, you hear words, and you hear your voice saying it in your head. Okay. Or like, if you're getting ready in the morning, you're like, damn, what do I got to do today? But yeah, yeah, yeah. In your head, not everybody has that. Nah. So people can't do that, and they just live in silence. Nah, that's a, that's a serial killer <laughs> in the making. Listen. Everybody's got an inner voice. No. No, I didn't learn about that until, I think, 2020. I was on TikTok a lot, and everyone was talking about a million different things, and some people do not have an inner voice crazy that's interesting they, they apparently those people were making videos saying like they feel really bad for us who have uh overly talkative inner <laughs> voice because they're like how do you survive and it's like yeah, i know it's crazy would uh would you, how would you personify your inner voice like who are they um, what do they sound like it sounds just like me so they're not like doubtful or overly positive they're just um a lot of throughout the day it's all commentary like, I'm very, very much entertained <laughs> by my own inner voice that has commentary about anything and everything. That's why people think you're, you're, you're weird, because you're walking down the street just, like, laughing out loud. I would. And, but it's really just your inner voice. <laughs> it's not that free. I'm not that free. But, yeah, I should. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. That's, that's interesting. Wait, so going back to reading books, you said you were a nerd. Like, what did you nerd out about as, as early um, on? I just really love school. Like, I okay. love school. I love doing my homework. I would get my homework sheet on Monday, and I'd finish all the homework <laughs> by Tuesday. Like, I was just so thirst to do work. It was so weird. I really like learning. My brother taught me script at a young age, like kindergarten or first grade or something. So I was so gassed I knew script before everybody else. So you had, like, really Nerd good handwriting? That. Well, now I don't. But, yes, I had great handwriting. Okay. It, it was so good that they told me to stop writing in print. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't cutting it. <laughs> and they were like, just write in script. And I was like, oh, thank you, teacher. So yeah, nerd out about that stuff. I thought I wanted to be a vet. I would watch like Animal Planet, and yeah, no, I was like a little nerd growing up. That's so cool. I didn't, I didn't know it. Yeah, wasn't I wasn't it. outside. I was not outside. I didn't go. I wasn't like literally outside until I was like 14, 15, 16, 15. I would say 15. I started like going outside. What would you, what'd you say? Like, I don't want to use the word sheltered, but just like protective it's as the, as I a was daughter. Sheltered you know. or protected. Um, that was a personal decision because no shade to anybody listening. But I just kind of noticed that everybody that was outside was like not living the life that I wanted to be living. And it was like, well, and I saw kids outside and I saw teenagers outside and then I saw grown ass people outside. And I was just like, well, I know I didn't want to be a grown ass person outside. You know, my mom would always be like, stay in school, do better than me. Da, 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 da. But I didn't really have a guide on how to do that. Mm. So the only guide I had was like on what not to do. And all I could really do was take from my environment. So one of the things I right. figured out was right. like, well, it, sound, it seems like when people be hanging out outside that they like it so much, they just stay right there. So I'm just not going to be outside. And I would just be in my house. I really just did not have any interest. And because I was so sensitive, I mean, I grew up in the projects in the Bronx. Like, you know, everyone's roasting everybody. I was, I learned how to like not be sensitive a little bit later on. And like eventually me and my friends, we'd all roast each other and like, <laughs> Because, listen, at some point you're going to be like, oh, I can't cry anymore. Let me just, like, learn how to, like, play, you know, the dozens back yeah. and cut ass back. But for the most part, like, I was like, oh, no, I can't, I can't survive out there. I'm going to be crying my little ass <laughs> on the way home. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> so I was just a little nerd until I was, like, a teenager. And then I would, like, go to my friend's house. We'd hang out outside and, like, be at Orchard Beach all the time. And stuff Orchard like that. Beach. Orchard Beach. That, Yo, that was my spot. That's so... 
like at a young age that's so like observant of you. Yeah, I think like, I was really aware. Yeah. I think I was really aware. And you also talking about like this, like they're living, they're not living the life that I dream of. Like you're at a young I age. I already like, had a dream. What was it? I've always had a dream. I wanted to be J-Lo. I'm dead ass. I was like, I want to be a dancer. I want to be a singer. And I, and I, and I was a great dancer. Was? I still am a great dancer. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Up. Period. But I can't sing sadly, and I wasn't gonna go start trying trying that <laughs> career at this point. I can't hold a tune to save my life. What was it? What was it about J Lo? Because at that well, time, where even Hill. still, she did a lot though. So was it just like the, the fame, the eyes? Like mm. what? What was it about that? It's that she was from Castle Hill too. I'm from Castle mm. Hill, and so she was like very much like, oh, I'm from the Bronx. I'm from the Bronx, and I'm like, oh. Okay, so if she could be on TV and she could be mm. like a dancer and she could be a singer and she could be in this movie and she's from the Bronx, bitch, I could do that too. <laughs> yeah. So like I felt like I like I could do that. So that was like immediately my dream. Like okay, I really wanted to do that. And I was very extroverted. I speak to people like all the time. So that just felt like very natural to like want to be, I don't know, a star, I guess. But when you thought about it, like career-wise, like what did that look like? You know, I didn't. I didn't. There was no deep thought into it. Okay. It was just like that. That was what I wanted to do. So, you know, growing up, I was like, all right, well, what do I got to do to get up out of here? Right. Like, that was a very early thought. And my mom also plans to that in my head because she'd always be like, do better than me. You got to go to school. You got to stay mm. in school. You got to get a good job. You know, you're going to get a big house. And, you know, yeah, she, yeah. she put that in my head very, very early. So, so yeah, I, I just started noticing and try to figure out, like, how am I going to do that? So what did you start doing? I mean, because here you are being a nerd, you're reading all these mm -hmm, books, mm -hmm. you're like, how all these interests, you got these dreams, but at the same time, maybe maybe I'm making this up right, mm -hmm. but the path that you start along isn't necessarily the J-Lo path. No, 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 I'm not on the J-Lo path right now. Um. Like, you didn't you didn't just like drop all of that and just audition for In Living Color, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, 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 I feel you, I feel you. Um, so career-wise, like, how did you, what did you think about? Like, what did you start going into? Um, Career-wise, so when I got into college, I was like so passionate about. Where did, where did you go? Um, I went to Barnard. Okay. For psychology, and I was really passionate about. Hold. Hold up. What? That's an amazing school. Yes, we got the Ivy League degree, baby. That is. It's on my wall. It's um, on my wall above my bed. <laughs> I'm not playing. But that's a big deal. And how many people don't even believe you when you say that? You know. No <laughs> one has, has ever had the balls to express doubt in me saying that. Well, sometimes it's about how they make you feel, not what they say, you know what I mean? I don't mm. know. I think, you know, that's always been very well received. Okay. I think I just say it to, to the right people. That's and good. I think people appreciate it. What and did it, what did it feel yeah. to go to like an Ivy League school? Oh my God, honestly, As a it's so girl amazing. From the Bronx. Yeah, and from the South Bronx, yeah. you know, my, my high school, shout out to Banana Kelly, was in the South Bronx. Yeah. And like, I, w I was just like, so, I was so like spot on that I wanted to go there. And I was really nervous about it. And then I got in and I, it, I just felt like my world opened up. It just felt so amazing. And when I got there, you know, a lot of people I think would feel or think that I might feel that because I was from the Bronx that I did not belong. Mm -hmm. But it was like, that was like the furthest from the truth. Like I felt like I was finally where I was meant to be my whole life. Really? Yes, because to me, I, I didn't really see our differences, like me and the student body. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a very heavily white student body, like, very Jewish. And then there's, like, a bunch of international students, too. Yeah. But all I saw was, like, the commonalities that we had. Oh, we're all passionate about education. Oh, we all really like this school. Oh, we all want to be in New York. Like, all I saw was, like, our similarities. And I immediately felt like, oh, yeah, I fit in here. And obviously, I had, like, a huge culture shock and a rude awakening when, like, little <laughs> things happen. And I was like, 
oh my goodness, like I'm not in the Bronx anymore. <laughs> but I very much felt like I belonged there. I felt amazing. I was so proud of myself. I'm still so proud of myself. People be like, what's like, what are you most proud of? And I'm like, going to Barnard. That's so, no, that's mm-hmm. that's a huge deal. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And what, so what, what was the, what was like a culture shock moment for you? I, you know, I always say this moment because it, it was actually my most embarrassing moment like ever in my life. I was in a psych class and the professor asked like, oh, this is no shade to anyone. Nobody judge me. But the professor asked and was like, oh, like, have you guys ever like had experience with, you know, people who might have ADHD, like kids with ADHD? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I have. So I raised my hand. I was like, oh, me. And they're like, OK, so what are some like traits? Like, what do they act like kids with ADHD? Are they, oh, they, honestly, they act like little crackheads the way they be. <laughs> they act like little crackheads the way they be bouncing off the walls. Like... Now, had I said that, okay, so the professor was like, yo, you could have heard a pin drop in that room, okay? And, and then I was like, like, oh, I think I broke a code or something. Like, it's something, we're glitching in the matrix right now. And um, she was like, okay. Great, great description, by the way. That's exactly what happened. And she was like, okay, we're not going to call them little crackheads. Who else wants to answer? And then someone else was like, and she went on to the next person. So my thoughts on that, right? So whatever. Went to my friends. I was like, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like something, something like happened. They were like, bitch, you can't be talking like that here. What are you saying? <laughs> and I was like, oh. But you know what I realized was, like, if I had said that in my school in the South Bronx, first, everyone would have gave it a laugh. And then my teacher might have, like, asked a question. Like, okay, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? Right. Like, what does that look like? Right. Please describe that. Because the teachers would have known how to interact with a student like that. Mm. But, like, you know, you're in this elite institution. And I would say, like, professors did not know how to interact with that. Right. Not to say I didn't have great professors because I had amazing professors. And I do have, like, one favorite professor that really, really loved my class. And, like, she was, like, she knew how to interact with everybody. Mm -hmm. She was just so dope. She was the bomb. But I would say that, you know... We need more, more professors that can interact with someone like that and help them along that journey. I got it from my office, like the HEOP office. I would go talk to the guidance counselor and be like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then they would like help me with my transition and my friends really helped me a lot. They must have left. Oh my God. They were so funny. They were so funny. When I left, they, we had a little moment and they were like, you know what we used to call you? Like, can we tell you your nickname that we've given you these past four years? Uh, no way. And I was like, what? And they call me Rocky. Rocky? Rocky, like Rocky Balboa. Why? I was like, why? They were like, you just came in here like so like tough, <laughs> so like ready to go. Like, what's up? And I'm like, really? Me? Like, I came here passionate about education. And they were like, yeah, but we knew you were from the Bronx. It was just so clear. And they, they were like, we love you. So we called you Rocky this whole time. I was like, oh, I love that. That, that was going to be the name of the episode and the thumbnail. And the thumbnail, yeah. Rocky. I love it. And I would also bring them my drama. So whenever something happened with a professor, I'd be like, yo, why did this professor write this on my paper? And they, they'd help me and be like, Jasmine, you can't, you can't say that. Like, that is your personal evidence, like your personal story. Like, so, and, and so, a culture shock. And sociology you were studying? Psychology. Psychology, yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. Why that? Honestly, I got a crazy ass family and I really wanted to understand them better. And help me do just that. You know what's interesting? I, uh, I studied economics. Mm-hmm. It's really because I wanted to get into business school, but I didn't get in. So mm-hmm. that was like a good backup. But also it was during the time where like a lot of financial crisis was happening. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to learn what's going on. 
Like, oh, nice. And yeah. I just like, yeah, I'm, I don't use this right now. But you're just interested. Like, yeah. I want to know what's happening in the world. So you didn't use it as like, I'm going to do this to get this sort of like job. No, I thought that I was going to open my own psych practice and I wanted to go into clinical psychology and I wanted to focus on like schizophrenia and bipolar and like those type of disorders. After speaking with a ton of people, like in the field, mm -hmm. I would have had to either get like my PhD or my PsyD. Yo, PhD it's research. It's so continuous. Yo, yeah, never ending. Yeah, never ending. Like six years of research. Your PsyD is clinical. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm very interested in that. So I would, you know, speak to a bunch of different people. Everyone was unhappy. No one was getting paid, and I was just like, like, what? What do you mean you're making twenty five thousand dollars a year? And they were like, well, you know, like you need to work under someone for a little while, so everyone's gonna exploit you because they don't mm. have to pay you like a real salary yeah. because you need that experience. So once you get that experience and you do go on to work for yourself, then you can start making more money. And I just that just that just didn't sit right with me. And you're um, like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do that, at least pay me well. But it's just like well. y'all doing both. Yes. Also, when you work, when you want to work with like populations that have, you know more severe disorders like schizophrenia that's not a population with money so you you are not going to make the money that you want to make right now if you went into like eating disorders there's a lot of money to be made there right because it just so happens you know that people with eating disorders there is like they have more money yeah just data wise yeah. and i i wanted to go into something with the population you know that was poor like i'm from the bronx i wanted to work with people like you know i grew up around um, so there was always this idea, to do, like a Bronx thing, like like work in the Bronx, but yeah. And then I just couldn't bring myself to write the paper and and like the application. So I was like, let me not go into that. It's like my heart wasn't in it. Yo, you can't pay me to go back to school. Oh, I don't want to. Ain't go no back. way. There's no like, and I'm seeing all my friends. Not all my friends, but like people do like graduate programs and MBAs. Mm -hmm. You literally cannot pay me to go back to school. Mm -hmm. Well, again, going back to reading comprehension, I ain't reading. That's got too you. much. Got, got, That's you, too got, much. You, got you, But now, I kind of wish I went to school back in the day because I feel like now you can do like audio books, video. Mm, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But that's interesting. And I think um, I think I would go back to school. I don't want to go back to school, but I think if like something like interested me so much, then maybe I would. But I would have to like really, really like want to like dedicate my next decade plus to whatever that thing was. Mm -hmm. But I really do love learning in like a classroom environment. Like, I thrive in that, you know? I like learning from people. Like, I teach myself things often, but I really prefer to learn from a person. Mm. I like the, the back and forth of a discussion. Um, and I like, like, seeing what my peers around me think. Like, what are their questions? Well, what's their, like, mindset? What's their perspective? Why, why do they have that question? I don't know, I'm interested. That would be, I feel like when I went to school, though, like, I didn't study, I mean, yeah, I was interested in, like, what the economy was doing, mm. but at the end of the day, I was studying that to just get a good job. Yeah. Like, I don't think I, I was afforded the luxury or had the luxury of studying something I was really passionate about. Mm. You know what I mean? I, it, you know, I think you also had awareness to do that. I didn't have the awareness to do that. To do what? To, like, be like, okay, like, what makes the most sense that's going to make me get a good job? Let me study yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do that at all. Had I done that, I would have, like, probably done something completely different. I would have probably, like, got an econ minor or... Yeah. Um, or even dance. I would have studied dance because, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, obviously I could be a dancer. But I feel like I went to college and literally was just studying things that I was interested in and didn't really have, like, a strategic mindset about it all. Mm -hmm. So if I could go back and redo it, like, 
I mean, I would definitely do something different. I would, you know, take probably a lot of film classes, writing classes, yeah. Yeah. learn more about theater things and take more dance class. I would have like definitely went into the arts, but that just wasn't an option. Because I'm like, you know, I'm the first one in my family to graduate high school and then go to college. And I need to like go into academia. So that was like my whole perspective. And I didn't change that until one year after I'm working in corporate. I'm like, no, I can't do this. I need to do something creative. So then I started like finagling around. That's so interesting because like I wanted to do what you did and you wanted to do what I, I did in some way. Right. Like if I went back, I would s try to study something that really interested me. Mm. But what was that moment for you when you said like, yo, I'm not really feeling fulfilled? And then you started experimenting and exploring your creative side? Yeah, so, so I was always creative in college, never really considered a creative a career. What do you mean you were creative in college? Like I was on the dance team. Oh, dope. Shout out to Sabol. Oh. Yes, we did, we did Salsera right here. We did all the things. But I was on the dance team and doing like any creative things I could find, like little things on campus. And I wanted to do that after a year in corporate. I was like, I need to do something different. The moment was, I realized I was there for a year. Like I experienced four seasons <laughs> in the job, like spring, summer, fall, yeah. and winter. And Wait. I was like, that's it? This, this is it, this, that's it? I just did one whole year here. Like I'm supposed to do this for 40, like 40 times. <laughs> The 40 times is crazy. crazy. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I cannot do it. I was like, it was just, it was unfulfilling. Like, I, I wasn't super passionate about the work that I was doing. And I really liked the people that I worked with. That was fine. But I just wasn't passionate about the work I was doing. And so that's when I started, like, podcasting. And that just started, like, the whole creative journey. But, yeah, I, I, it hit me one day. Like, I went through four seasons in a job. I did not have a summer off. <laughs> Bitch. Uh -uh. I was like, I need to do something different because this can't be my life. Absolutely not. What was, your, what was your first day fit looking like? Oh, first day fit. Ooh, I think I had on a black dress with like black tights, but they were like very sheer with like dress little with dots. Like first day outfit, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. With some high over the knee boots. I was okay. fashion, fashionable. Fashion. Okay, okay. Very fashion forward. I was hype. Okay. So you just, you just feel yourself? I like I'm it. I'm feeling myself. Okay. Feeling myself. But you weren't necessarily fulfilled. So then you started like, you were like, what am I going to do now? Yeah. And you know, everyone, everyone at work would be like, you should have a podcast. You should have a podcast. And I was like, what is a podcast? Whatever. I wrote it off. Nah. I have my Instagram stories. <laughs> what, year, what year was this? 2016. Okay. Okay. So I, I had like 2016, I started my Daily Dose of Slay. It was like an everyday Instagram segment. And I would just literally be slaying. I'm like, this is your daily dose of slay. <laughs> okay? And I would just give commentary throughout my whole day. But, pe but people at work were telling you you should have a podcast. That, that means that you were, you were comfortable slaying at work then. Oh, yes. One thing about me is, so I started Macy's through the executive development program. So everyone was, like, really cool. You were everyone, always at Macy's? I was always at Macy's. Really? Oh, so was, how long have like, you been there? Like, seven 12 years? years? Seven, damn. seven. I mean, I'm not there now, but oh, seven years I was there. So I started at the executive development program. So everyone was young. Everyone was cool. So I was very much able to just be myself. Gosh. And then when we got placed in our roles, that was when I had to start code switching. Because now you're in your role, you're with your team. Everyone was like older than me. Mm. And now I'm dressing business professional because it's different than the training program. It was a little different. So 
So yeah, and like we, we would always take lunch together. It was like a group of like 30 of us. So I'm gonna show up as me. Like that's all I know how to do at this point. So yeah, so everyone was like, yo, you're, you're mad funny. You should have a podcast, you should have a podcast. And I was like, eh. but then the next year I made a podcast. See, all right, but now mm-hmm. you're creating, you're being creative, mm-hmm. but now you're sharing it with the world. Yeah. I don't really have, let me just preface, I don't really have shame. Like, a lot of people are, like, nervous to do stuff like that or, like, you know, don't want to be perceived or maybe feel a little bit shame about, like, having all eyes on them. I'm just, I'm not like that, never been like that. I've always been a performer. Like, even as a kid, I was on my dance team at school, like, five, six years old. I did the thriller on stage, front and center, bitch. Don't get it twisted. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is just, like... I'm just always, I've always been a performer. Who do you think you get that from? I think, I think my whole family has really big personalities. Okay. Everyone has a big... Like, you are not allowed to be shy in my family. Okay. Like, like you're not allowed. Like, you're just not allowed to be shy. Like, my nephew, <laughs> I love him so much. He's a little more timid, like his mom. And I remember, like, when he was really young, he'd be a little shy. And my brother would be like, yo, open your mouth. <laughs> Don't be sh- w- w- Somebody just talked to you. What are you going to say? And, like, make him say something because you're just not allowed to be shy in my house. So everyone, everyone has a big personality. But you weren't, but you weren't nervous that like, all right, cool. You started with this like leadership development program, mm-hmm. but then you get into your role. Mm-hmm. It's cool if your like early friends didn't see it, but what if like your new colleagues saw some of your stuff? Oh, let me know. How, let me know what you think. What's up? That's Write so a review. Reviews. <laughs> like, share, comment. Like, yeah, share with a friend. That's so. That's so. Save it on your Apple Podcast. <laughs> like, what you mean? I was never that person that's like, oh my God, I hope my job doesn't see me. No, let them see me. That's so dope. Like that level of confidence, I just feel like most people don't have. Like, it's Zululu. You have to be delusional. Zululu. But no, but it's, and I often say like, I'm a delusional person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of my strengths. Mm-hmm. It is. I agree. Wow. Yeah, no, I've, I've always been very open. I would tell my friends at work, yo, you got to listen to my new episode. How do you think it was received? Um, I think my friends were happy. I definitely had one friend at work. He was always so supportive. Shout out to Usama. He would listen to it and be like, Jasmine, I think you have such great ideas. <laughs> and even if I don't always agree with you, you know, I really love, like, your perspective. I think it's authentic. I think it's real. Like, it was very well received from, like, my friends, like, in the EDP program. And anyone older at my job, like, they weren't watching it. They're not listening to podcasts, and they weren't on Instagram like that. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't really have any, like, worries about that. But, yeah, no, I was like... But what about... Because <clears throat> that's... I mean, what we're talking about is, like, validation, right? Yeah. So, una sinvergüenza, mm-hmm. right, for the, for the people that may say, like, why would you post that or blah, blah, blah. But then the validation must feel good. Like, did that start to change how you thought about, like, your goals and your dreams that you, that you thought about? Yeah, validation always feels really good. I try not to get lost in validation. I feel like if you get lost in validation, then you could just as easily get lost in like negativity and yeah. negative comments. Yeah. So, you know, I really appreciate when everyone supports me and it definitely gives me like some juice to like keep it pushing. And I kept my podcast going, I would have guests on it. And then I had like this one year big anniversary party. It was so fun. So yeah, I think the validation definitely helped and solidified that like I had something to say and people wanted to hear it and it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. So it just helped me continue to do it. But as far as like, yeah, that's it. It just helped me continue to do it. But, but did it shift the way that you thought about your long-term like career goals? I was already convinced that like after a year in corporate, I was already convinced like that was not the life for me. 
So 100%, no matter what my mind was made up, I'm going to have a creative career. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm starting my journey right here. But whatever it is going to be, like, it's going to be something creative. And I'm still on that journey, like, all these years later. And you, you said, like, incorporate, like, in that one year, it, there were some, like, awkward moments of just, like... Yeah, there were definitely... Oh, God. There were definitely awkward moments. I would say... So I code switched for one year, and then I stopped. That first year of the that four first, seasons? I, like, after that one year, like, I was just like, I rebel. I'm, <laughs> I'm putting my flag, and I rebel. <laughs> yeah, I just stopped code switching. I just started being more authentic at work, and because now I was placed on my real team. But also, like, the company slowly started to change. So they were like, you know what? Like, we're a fashion company, and, you know, we don't, we don't want people to feel like they have to be, like, business professional in the office. So they changed the dress code. Like, you want to wear jeans? Wear jeans. Just make it look good. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So it felt like a more welcoming environment that I could just be myself. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, awkward moments in the office, I would say my number one, like, I would say complaint that resurfaced was that I was too casual. Mm. And so the thing, and, and this was what I had mentioned earlier about, like, being friendly and, like, your energy that you bring into the office. I don't think corporate America appreciates, like, energy that is too open and too friendly because it comes off as like unprofessional whatever that means yeah so i remember like one time i needed something to be signed by like i don't know a vp or something and there was like a desk in front of the vp's office now i did not know that was the vp's assistant i had no idea who this woman was patrolling the hallway in her little desk okay (laughs) (laughs) like i did not have the, the spatial awareness to even realize like, maybe that's the executive assistant. It just wasn't there, okay? I, I'm a little aloof sometimes. <laughs> Forgive me. So I walked up, and, I, like, I whispered. I was like, hey, is he in the office yet? Like, do you know? And then, you know, the woman was like, okay, well, how can I help you? And But, but really rude, a little rude about it. And I was like, okay, maybe she didn't hear me because I thought, I thought she heard me. So I was like, yeah, is he in the office yet? Like, do you know? Like, just as friendly, I said, how can I help you? And I was like... I said, is he in the office? Yes. <laughs> she was like, well, I'm his executive assistant. So, and I was like, oh, okay, that's all you have to say. Can I please leave this up for you? Like, I just need to get signed. Yeah. When I tell you, she went two people above my head. And then my boss called me into her office. I had a meltdown in the office. It was my first meltdown in the office. I was like, oh my God, I was so, cr- I was crying. I was crying at work. I was like, not me crying at work in front of my boss. It's coming full circle. And I think my boss felt bad because... You know, my boss knows I'm friendly, and I was just like, and, and I was even authentic with my boss. I was like, what, what am I supposed to do? Press my shirt before I walk up to her desk? And my boss was like, well, what I know is that you need to apologize. I was like, well, I'm not sorry. I didn't do anything. Apologize for what? Apologize for what? How was I supposed to know? And that was like, that was a moment where I like realized like, wow, like I really can't just be friendly to everyone at work because apparently that is perceived as like, I, th- I think that there's, like, this idea, like, you got to show deference for something because of, like, the hierarchy in corporate America. And I don't really do well with hierarchy. Oh not God, because... The, the politics in corporate drive me crazy. Yeah, it drives me crazy. I don't do well with that. I'm like, are we on the same team? Like, don't we want the same results? Right, like, right. aren't we after the same goal? Like, why do I have to, you know, <laughs> like, get to here? You know, I, don't, I just don't get that. I don't get that. Yeah, Even yeah. when I, like, had people working under me and I was a okay. manager... Oh God! Yeah, but I would never make them be like, "Oh, Jasmine." Like, no, like we're all we're all on the same team. Let's be cool. And you, and you said like, would, did people call you unprofessional for being too casual? They always told my boss. Interesting. They would tell my boss. 
and then it happened again, like, a couple years later. Because of how you're dressed? No, 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 because of my energy. Oh, your energy. It was my energy. So it was, it wasn't, like, I was just fine. It was Wait, me asking When you her, said hey, too like, casual, my mind went to... Oh, no, it was like, is to, he in yet? But I just things like, like that. hi, I have this for Mr. So-and-so. I really need right, to right, sign. Right, right, right. Versus just being like, hey, is he in there? Can I... Yeah. But I didn't know that was his assistant. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. that moment happened, like, a, a couple times. You know, there was another time where I had, hey, good morning, how are you? Just a little too bubbly. A little too a bubbly. A little too bubbly. And my boss was like, hey, you know... This person just finds you to be a little too casual with her. And I was like, when I say that good morning, what, like... That's like, yo, she's too happy. I'm, what? It's just, I don't know. I don't know. And that, it always happened with older people. Older people. Mm. Like, but it's interesting, though, because, like, a lot of people would get some of that feedback and they would tone down their bubbliness or tone down their whatever. Mm-hmm. But you seem to have this energy of just, like, Well, I mean, I can't. you can't like, fire me for being nice. And that is who I am. I am like. But you gotta you gotta recognize that that's not normal. That is not normal. Like, but it's good. Like, it's this great. is what I want everybody to have. Mm-hmm. But not everybody is there. You have to be uncom. You have to be comfortable with making people uncomfortable mm. if you want to be authentic. And so for me, like, not being authentic is just not an option. And some people they don't care. Some people are just like, yeah, I don't care to like let the world know who I am. I'm gonna go to work. I'm gonna do my job. I'm gonna fly under the radar, mm-hmm. and not as far as, like, mm-hmm. how hard they work, but, mm-hmm. like, fly under the radar as, like, who they really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not that way. I'm like, this is me. This is who I am. I want people to know who I really am as a person. That's important to me. I want to know who I'm working with as people, and I'm going to show up authentically, and, you know, it's okay if not everyone likes me. Yeah. My job is getting done, and I do my job really well. So that, what could really happen... And that's all that matters. And, and I think it was interesting because you spoke about, like, validation, but also, like, a pushback. And you spoke about it, like, in a corporate sense. But you create so much content and it goes viral mm-hmm. that I'm sure you get the best of both worlds. Mm. Like, people are like, I don't know, I'm making this up as, like, oh, my God, you, you, you sound like you're from the Bronx. And you're like, what what that mean? But also people are like, oh, my God, I love that you sound like you're from the Bronx because it makes me feel like mm-hmm. whatever, right? So you also get this times a thousand because the Internet is endless. Yeah. For sure, for sure. But I think, you know, a, a piece of being authentic is, like, not caring either way. Right. Especially, like, right. like in the workplace. And I would say, like, like, we just said, like, this, this is not normal. So, like, every team that I've been a part of, like, I have changed the team dynamic. Interesting. Because it never works for me. So I'm like, okay, well. And I find that, like, when you come out of your shell and you are authentically yourself... Other people may, maybe, try it in your own office, may be more likely to come out of their shell and be more authentic. That is, like, contagious. Because if I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, my God, did you guys see whatever and, you know, start a conversation? Maybe it's a Cardi B thing. I don't know. And someone is going to interact with that. You know, a little bit of their personality is going to come out because we're talking about things, you know, that make us laugh or whatever entertain us. It could be a TV show whatever it is, those personal conversations, I think take people out of their shell. And you can't really have a personal conversation if you're not even being authentically yourself. Mi gente, that wraps up another episode of the Can't Do It As podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do us a favor, like, share, comment, wherever you're listening to this episode, be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave us a rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you and see you next time.